So why was the law given? It was added because of our offenses, until the descendant would come to whom the promise had been made. It was put in place through angels by the hand of a meditator. Now the mediator does not take one side, but God is one. So the law against the promises of God? Absolutely not. If a law has been given that was able to give life, then righteousness would in fact have come from the law. But scripture walked up all things under sin so that all the promises based on faithfulness of Jesus Christ might be given to those who have faith. Before faith came, we were guarded under the law, locked up under faith that was coming would be revealed. So that the law became our custodian until Christ, so that we might be made righteous by faith. But now faith has come. We are no longer under a custodian. You are all God's children through faith in Jesus Christ. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Now if you belong to Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Something I'm uh, going to begin doing, and today was the experimental first try, is having uh, one of the youth or one of the older children in the church read the sermon scripture. Um, something that I've seen in other churches that I've served in uh, as you know, on staff. And I think it's a, it's a good way, you know, as we've gone through confirmation recently, to start to use our youngest members uh, and, and make them actually a part of the worship service and emphasize to them that they are part of the church and they have something to contribute. So thank you to Malachi for being the guinea pig and doing that first for us this week. Um, I have several others who will be joining as well and uh, still taking volunteers, so feel free to, to nominate people. But, um, so this morning I want to talk about, uh, we're continuing our, our series on Galatians and uh, really a lot having to do with Paul discussing the relationship between law and gospel. Because right? the whole point in Galatians is that he is encouraging these Gentile believers not to forsake the gospel that they received from him. And so he, he, all these other options out there of other gospels, and he says none of them are good. They are all not gospel. Right? There's only one true gospel. Now, the challenge for us, or one of the challenges for us as modern readers of Paul's letters, is that it's really hard to read someone else's mail, especially when you only have one side of it. Right? If, if you were reading correspondence between two different people, and you only had one side of the conversation, and you had to try to figure out well, what was this conversation really about? What, what did both sides believe? What is this writer responding to? 
it would be kind of hard. You'd be missing a lot of pieces, right? You wouldn't necessarily know exactly what they're talking about all the time. You wouldn't necessarily know where they agree and disagree. There are some things that they're going to agree on and, and some things that they don't. And without the other side of the conversation, you don't necessarily know what that is. You don't maybe even know what their relationship is like. Right? We read Galatians and you know, Paul has some very strong words for these people. He calls them foolish. Right? Uh, he, he says, you know, if, if you uh, accept a gospel from someone else, you're, right, you're eternally condemned. He has very harsh things to say. Does that mean he didn't like them? Does that mean they were enemies? Not necessarily. We don't have enough information to know all of that. That's the challenge in reading Paul's letters is that we only have half of a conversation. We're lacking oftentimes the original context. What exactly was it that sparked this conversation? Now here we kind of know a bit, right? He tells us, okay, other people came. They preached another gospel to you. We know a bit about what that gospel was. It had to do with taking the law upon themselves, uh, particularly being circumcised, really becoming Jewish as a way to be Christian. All right? But we don't have all the details. And the biggest problem, I think, for us as modern readers of Paul's letters is it, it's very easy for us to assume that he is talking primarily to or about us and our context. We read what Paul writes, and we, we read it like it's a letter written to us. Now, in a roundabout way, it is, right? As part of Scripture, it is timeless. It is God's word to us. But that's different from when Paul sat down and wrote this letter. He's speaking to real concrete people in a real concrete situation. And not everything necessarily that applies in that context ports over easily to us. For example... Well, no one has ever come and told me I have to obey all of the law in order to be saved. That's not really something that is very common in our culture. Right? We are not in this Jewish-Christian debate that was taking place in the first century. And so Paul is really speaking to an argument that in a lot of ways we're not a part of. That doesn't mean we can't glean some very important insights from what he has to say here. It just means we're reading someone else's mail. Right? We're trying to gather things from someone else's mail. We, we tend to forget also that Paul's Bible was the Old Testament. When Paul talks about Scripture, he's talking about the Old Testament. He had no New Testament. This is one of the earliest letters, one of the earliest books in the New Testament to be written. It didn't, there was no collection called the New Testament. We also tend to forget that, that Paul's theology was very, very solidly Jewish. He is speaking to and about controversies and issues that were current in Judaism in his day. What is the role of the law? 
What is the relationship between Jews and Gentiles? Those are probably not conversations that most of us have on a day-to-day basis. You probably don't get together for coffee with your friend and say, so what do you think? Are Gentiles included in the covenant? Right? Probably not had that conversation recently. I'm more likely to have it than you are. But, but that's not something we typically talk about. But it was something they talked about. And because of that, because of his Jewish context, Paul is always interpreting the life, death, resurrection of Jesus through that lens. And that lens is the story of Israel. For Paul, Jesus is the critical piece in a story. He's the turning point in a story that had been going on for thousands of years. The story of the Jewish people. Right? And now he is trying to pull this outsider group, these Gentiles, into that story. And how do they fit into it? That's, that's the challenge in this book. All right? So as we consider what Paul says here in, in our scripture for today from uh, Galatians 3, I want to consider what is Paul's main point. It's very easy for us to get lost in the details, bogged down in all of the minutia, because this is not an easy letter. It's not an easy text. But if we keep in mind, I think, what Paul's main point in this book is, it helps. The main point here is Paul is asking kind of rhetorically, is the law a bad thing? Now, he has to say that because, right, the, the things he has said up to this point, the way he has chastised these Galatians for allowing themselves to be put under the yoke of the law, the natural question would be, well, does that mean the law is bad? Does that mean that mean the, the law is contrary to God and we should just throw it out? The Bible would be a whole lot smaller if we did that, right? Is that, is that, you know, that would be kind of a natural place to go. And a lot of people have read Paul that way. And so you'd think, well, well what are the things that Paul says here that might lead someone to think, yeah, the law is bad? Well, he describes us as being locked up under it, like imprisoned. We are chained up. We're locked up under the power of the law. He says, you know, in, a, in some ways, the law didn't bring life. It brought death, right? We, we die because we don't keep the law. He calls it a temporary custodian. Or even worse, some people will translate that word custodian as like prison guard. And you get the sense that the law, all these harsh rules, there's 613 of them, were like slave labor, right? They were imposed on us to sort of uh, teach us how awful we are, right? And we're kind of bound under them. Is that, is that what he is saying? And so we're, we're imprisoned under it until Christ comes and sets us free. And now suddenly everything's great. We're free of all these rules. All right? Now, it's, if that's how we're reading Paul here, that's, I think, very, very difficult to reconcile with the words of Jesus. Remember weeks ago, 
studying the Sermon on the Mount and the things Jesus had to say about the law and how he said that he did not come to abolish the law, how not one letter or even one stroke of a pen would pass away from the law. So if, if Paul is saying the law is bad, we need to get rid of the law, Jesus got rid of the law, I think we run into a problem there where Paul and Jesus are saying some very different, very contradictory things. And, and I don't know about you, but I don't really like that. And I think that the problem with all that is that is a very individualistic reading of Paul. That's, that's what I'm talking about when I say we read his letters and we think, oh, this is written to me and my situation and the questions that I have. All right? Here's, here's kind of the key Key detail, I guess. Notice what Paul says. He says, We were guarded under the law. The law became our custodian. Now, we, our, right, the first person language. When we read that, we have to ask ourselves who's the we? Is it me and Paul? Or is Paul speaking? as a representative of another group, right? Because if we read this as, it's me and Paul, we'd say, oh yeah, okay, the law, all, all the law God gave me, it was bad, it imprisoned me, it, uh, you know, it, it, it hindered me from life, it was a custodian to me, all right, in a bad way. Is it all-inclusive? Is this the experience of every person? Or is Paul speaking for a specific group of people? Another question is, well, when he talks about the law, what does he mean by law? You know, we have lots of laws. We have traffic laws. We have, um, you know, tax laws. And they apply in different circumstances. You know, could you read this as, this is just morality in general, or general ethics, right? Every, every rule about right and wrong is the law. Is that what he's talking about? Is he talking about natural law? There's all kinds of questions we can ask there. But if we reframe this and remember, Paul's writing to a specific group of people, Gentiles, who are wrestling with their relationship with Judaism, I think we can see maybe a little more clearly what Paul's trying to say here. That if Paul's main point here is what is the relationship between Jew and Gentile? I think it helps a little bit. Because you notice, when I talked about the we, right? Who's the we? We were the ones who were imprisoned. We, you know, we were under a custodian. There's a shift in language in what Paul says here. He says, we are no longer under a custodian. But then he says, you are all God's children. We and you, two different groups of people. Paul is speaking as a member of one group to another group that he is not a part of. The we and the you. He's not lumping all of humanity together. He's considering two different groups, one of which Paul belongs to, one of which he doesn't. So remember, the main topic of this letter is that Gentile Galatians have been deceived 
into thinking that they must become Jewish in order to be saved. So the we, I think, would be Judaism. Paul is saying we, as Jews, have been under the law. You, as Gentiles, need to know that you, too, are God's children. Because they didn't believe that. Because in the first century, if you were to ask a Jew, what about those Gentiles? All right, we know that we Jews, we have the law, we have, we have the Torah, you know, God gave it to us, he made a covenant with us at Mount Sinai. We know we are God's children. But what about those Gentiles over there? They don't have any of that. They don't have the law. See, we, we, we hear the word law, we think that's a bad thing. We don't like rules. I, you know, I, sometimes I'd be happy if there were no speed limit. I'd, I'd probably be less likely to be alive, but, you know, you know, hey, if I'm in a hurry, if there's no speed limit, I can drive as fast as I want. We think law is a bad thing. They didn't. They saw the Torah as a gift. They saw the law as something that made them special. We are under the law. We are the chosen people. But you guys over there, you're not. And Paul's point is to say, no, you Gentiles are just as much the children of God as we Jews are. Right? The law here is the Torah. And it was never given to Gentiles. Hence, it wouldn't make any sense to say that they were locked up and imprisoned under it. That makes sense. They weren't imprisoned by something they didn't have. And in fact, I want to come back to this. I was talking to the kids right about the babysitter. The way Paul describes the law here is not as a prison guard. I know that, you know, that that's, some people read it that way. But the word that he actually uses, Greek word that he uses there, refers to a slave like a, a household slave whose job was to follow the children to school and back each day. Their job was to keep them safe, and they also kind of participated in their education. They weren't like the subject teachers that they would have at school. They were more like mentors, right? They would teach them proper conduct. Right? Here's how you live in the world. Very much like, like a babysitter or, or a tutor or a mentor. That's the word he uses to refer to the law. He says, we Jews, we have had for centuries the benefit of God giving us this tutor to teach us how to live, how to follow God's will. But guess what? Something has changed now. Now the parents have come home. Now you're not under the babysitter anymore. Because Christ has come. And he is our teacher. But guess what? He's teaching us the same things. The way that the law taught us to live, the way that the tutor instructed us, is in harmony with what 
Christ is teaching us as well. Paul's main point here is that the Gentiles who are in Christ, those who have faith in Jesus, are under the same custodianship now as are the Jews. They are all following Jesus. It doesn't matter that one group of them originally had the law. It doesn't matter that one of them was the chosen people and the other group wasn't because now they all share this common identity of being Abraham's descendants. That's, that's what he says, right? His, his main point is verse 29 when he says, if you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. His point is that the Gentiles are on equal ground now. Now, again, that's a lot of we're reading someone else's mail. So what does it mean for us? Again, we're not having these conversations typically, you know, about Jews and Gentiles and the law. So, so what? What does anything Paul writes here have to do with us? There are two things. Two things I want to say. The first is, though we are not under the law, that is the Torah, in the same sense that Israel was. God has not, God didn't show up on Mount Sinai and give us 613 laws and say, if you keep these, I'll make your, you know, I'll give you this land and uh, you'll, you'll be my chosen people, you know, uh, and this holy nation. That didn't happen to us. Though we are not under the law in that sense, the law is not bad or contrary to faith. It's the babysitter, right? It does guide us in the way that God desires and commands for us to live, all right? But at the same time, the, there was a problem with the law. The problem was that it didn't apply to everyone. The problem was that so much of the law actually separated Jew and Gentile. Here, just read the Old Testament. Israel is always being told, don't intermarry with Gentiles. Don't have anything to do with Gentiles. Don't eat with Gentiles. Keep yourselves separate. For thousands of years, there's no, it's no surprise that what we read in Galatians happened, right? That there were, there were debates and that there was disagreement about, well, can Gentiles even be saved? Don't they have to become Jewish? Because for thousands of years, that's what they had been taught. That's what the law had told them was keep separate from the Gentiles. You're the chosen people. But that has changed. Because when the parents come home, the babysitter leaves. The authority of the babysitter is replaced. All right? And what that means is that faith in Christ trumps the law. Not in the sense that the law was bad, but it completes the story now. And that leads to the second point. Second point is, I think, Paul's bigger point here. The reason he wrote this letter. 
was to tell this group of Gentiles, if you are in Christ, you are a descendant of Abraham. You are no different from those chosen people. It has nothing to do with belonging to any sort of human category. It has nothing to do with how you were born or what group you identify with. Because there is no class of people that are closer to God than another. It's this thing about the children of Abraham. You know what Jesus said about the children of Abraham? He told the Pharisees, God can raise up children of Abraham from the stones. as nothing special. Being born a descendant of Abraham is nothing special. God can, God can create descendants of Abraham anytime and any way he wants. So you Gentiles, you, you Galatians, don't think of yourselves as inferior. Don't think you're lacking some special status. And I think that speaks to us too. It speaks to us. Because we sometimes, again, we don't think in categories of Jew and Gentile, but we do sometimes think in human categories. We do sometimes think that certain groups of people are more saved, closer to God, than others are. But Paul says here, probably the most important verse in this book, Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All one. There is no distinction along racial, ethnic, or national lines, because Paul said, neither Jew nor Greek. There is no distinction along socioeconomic lines because he said there is neither slave nor free. And there's no distinction along gender lines because he said there is neither male nor female. That's the message, I think, for us from Galatians. Now, we can, we can look at that and say, well, does all that really still need to be said? I mean... How, how long have we been saying, yeah, okay, um, all races, all, all genders, all ethnicities are all one in Christ? We've been saying that for a very long time. Does it really need to be said again? Yeah, it does, unfortunately. I don't think it's that hard for us to look around at the world we live in today and see that those boundaries are still very much in place. And they inform our thinking. And they shape our prejudices. And even on a spiritual level, we succumb to thinking the people of God looks like this when it doesn't. When it actually looks very different. When it actually includes a lot of people that we might not want to include. That, I think, is what we can get out of reading Paul's mail. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, help us to remember and acknowledge that nothing about ourselves, the privilege of our birth, 
the manner of our upbringing, even how spiritual or righteous we think we are, none of that is what brings us into relationship with you. Rather, it is our being in Christ. It is our faith in Jesus and in his faithfulness, the work that he did that connects us with you. And that because of that, we cannot boast, we cannot take any credit and hold ourselves above another person. But let us humbly acknowledge that we are all one in Christ Jesus. And that there is no distinction. There is no favoritism and there are not two different tiers. Help us to then treat one another accordingly. Through Christ we pray.